0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Show. Please take your seats as the feature presentation is about to begin. Well, hello there.
1: And it's a very warm welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Show. I'm Marcus, and I'm delighted to say that alongside me is Mr. Nick Chaffee. Hello. Now, for those of you who don't know, can't be many of you left. Most of you should know by now that Nick is the man that loves movies so much that he's currently adapting a fairy tale to make a film about a boy that steals a golden syrup-covered oat bar from a fearsome giant. (laughs) It's something he's called flapjack and the beanstalk oh my god
2: that's that's the worst one
1: <laughs> i take pride in that
2: Plumbing new depths of yeah, the, the james cameron of, of bad puns okay.
1: i will try to make them worse okay thank you on today's show we're going to be talking about us no, not, not me and Nick. But
2: we will be. Oh, okay we, we always seem to.
1: <laughs> Us is the latest scary social thriller that has people asking, what the heck's going on? And our film-to-rent review is Creed 2. Does the latest instalment in the Rocky series pack a punch? Or should it stay down on the canvas, tied and beaten? Find out later on. But we've also got our regular feature, the Take 5 movie quiz before that. I have five classic film quotes for you. You just need to identify the film they're from. Right now, though, here's Nick with the latest movie news.
2: So headlines this week, Disney seals $71 billion deal for 21st Century Fox. And Bill & Ted 3 confirmed by Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Disney has closed its $71 billion, or £54 billion, acquisition of Rupert Murdoch's entertainment business in a deal that unites franchises including Cinderella, The Simpsons and Star Wars under one corporate roof to create a media behemoth of unprecedented scale. The Walt Disney Company closed its acquisition of 21st Century Fox shortly after midnight New York time last Wednesday. As part of the deal, Disney will absorb the Fox film and TV studios, the FX networks, National Geographic, and the Indian TV giant Star India in a huge boost to its content. It plans to launch its new streaming service, Disney Plus, later this year as it challenges Netflix for future audience share. Before the takeover, Disney already boasted a fearsome catalogue of content, including its classic cartoons, Star Wars, and many of the Marvel characters. After purchasing Fox, It will be able to add the likes of x-men and deadpool to its portfolio and take on netflix and amazon the deal also helps disney further control tv shows and movies from start to finish from creating the programs to distributing them through television channels cinemas streaming services and other ways people watch entertainment Disney will get valuable data on customers and their entertainment viewing habits, which you can then use to sell advertising. In a statement, Robert Iger, the chairman and chief executive officer of the Walt Disney Company, hailed the move. This is an extraordinary and historic moment for us, one that will create significant long-term value for our company and our shareholders. Combining Disney's and 21st Century Fox's wealth of creative content and proven talent creates the preeminent global entertainment company well-positioned to lead in an incredibly dynamic and transformative era. The move instantly cut the number of major Hollywood studios, ending the era of the Big Six. Warner Bros., Universal, Sony Pictures and Paramount Pictures now make up a big five with Disney. It also casts major doubt over the jobs of potentially thousands of workers, with experts predicting as many as 4,000 positions could be cut. Rupert Murdoch, the billionaire former owner of 21st Century Fox, wrote a letter to employees two days before the takeover was finalised thanking them for their work. Some of Fox's other properties, including its news and sports businesses, have been spun off into the newly formed Fox Corporation. Disney also doubled its 30% stake in streaming service Hulu, making it by far the biggest stakeholder.
1: Now, it's only recently that I've read that Netflix was worth more than Disney, and that surprised me.
2: Yeah, that's that's, that's the first I've heard of it. It surprised me too.
1: And so, Disney now taking over, um, so was it 20, 20th Century Fox?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> giants. Absolute giants in the field now, aren't
2: they? Yeah. I, I find it a little bit worrying, to be honest, to have so much... Um, films and t v and you know content to use a horribly clinical term um <laughs> under the roof of one massive company so it basically gives them a um, like a, a market market share of like thirty three percent of um of the box office <laughs> that's one one third of all films being released by one by one company and that's that's just films that doesn't include um t v or uh anything else I, well and also
1: for consumers mm. it's just another 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 area to to chuck your money, isn't it? It's just like let's subscribe to this, let's subscribe to that. Amazon, Netflix, mm. Sky, Apple, Apple,
2: Apple yeah, well, TV, new yeah. one.
1: Yeah. Oh dear me!
2: It's um, it's weird because I remember when we when streaming first arrived. It sort of I think maybe some companies were sort of presenting themselves as the um, the one thing that you need, and now <laughs> because they're all sort of um, they're all producing their own content. It's it's um, you know, I think it's a bit like cable TV back in the the 80s we need um sub- five different subscriptions to different companies to get everything that you want it's uh it's, I, it's weird
1: i remember my grand saying how uh how
2: unimpressed she was when channel four
1: came along it's like <laughs> just too much choice and then and then channel five well goodness me mm. who needs that many channels i'm beginning to think she was right yeah
2: <laughs> mean. On to slightly more positive news. The long-mooted third Bill & Ted movie is set to go into production this year with a projected release date of summer 2020, it has been announced. Actors Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, aka William Bill S. Preston Esquire and Theodore Ted Logan, broke the news in a short promotional video filmed at the Hollywood Bowl. Thanking you, the fans, the pair said the title of the new film would be Bill & Ted Face the Music, and would hopefully shoot in the summer. At the same time, producers Orion Pictures released a plot synopsis which confirmed that the film would pick up the characters as middle-aged men. It states... Yet to fulfil their rock and roll destiny, the now middle-aged best friends set out on a new adventure when a visitor from the future warns them that only their song can save life as we know it and bring harmony to the universe. Along the way, they'll be helped by their families, old friends and a few music music legends. As previously indicated, the film is due to be directed by Galaxy Quest's uh, Dean Parasot, with a screenplay by, from Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, the writing team behind the first two Bill & Ted movies. A note on Orion Pictures' YouTube channel has named the release date as the 21st of August 2020. Bill Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Burger's Journey were released in 1989 and 1991, respectively, and proved unexpectedly popular. The first film saw them travel through time to bring significant figures back to present-day California to help them pass the school history reports, while the second saw them famously take on death at uh, Battleships, parodying Ingmar Bergen's The Seventh Seal. Winter in particular has been pitching for a third film for years, but it has never fully solidified, despite an announcement being made in May 2018 at the Cannes Film Festival. Reeves has also shown enthusiasm few the of projects, alongside a career headline and a string of successful blockbusters. In 2013, he told NBC's Today Show, I'm open to the idea of that. I think it's pretty surreal, playing Bill and Ted at 50, but we had a good story in that. You can see the life and joy in these characters, and I think the world can y- always use some life and joy.
1: Oh. Well, look, I'm talking, I'm talking now directly to the writers, the director, the people involved in making this film. Don't you mess this up right i'm so looking forward to this Mm. they'll be good
2: what do do you think about the um the plot synopsis that they (laughs) release well because to me it sounds like the the perfect thing to pick up on if
1: they if they follow that through then i'm happy yeah that that, that has good potential yeah i I don't know about you but i've got such fond memories of the first film and Oh, yeah, I don't have a tattoo, but if I did, it would be <laughs> be excellent to each other.
2: I ah, oh, no, That's a good film. This one, I'm glad that it's been directed by um, Dean Parasos as well from Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah. Because again, that's a good that's a good film that could have you know, could have just been a parody, but had a lot of heart to it, and really, I think in a way, it sort of it was similar to the Lego Movie. Like it, it really you know, it took the time to examine why, the, in this case, a TV show means so much to people so far removed from when it was first released. And I think that's the the ideal mindset that you uh, want to have when you're bringing back a franchise after um, 20 years, almost 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, 30 years, 89. Good luck with it, guys. Yeah,
0: good. In a world within our world, they've created a world unlike any other world. And in that world is a show, a cinema show, but not just any cinema show. This is the Sunshine Cinema Show. Right then, let's give you a rundown of the top
1: five UK box office films and the UK film rentals. So we'll start at the box office and at number five we have Fighting with My Family. Yeah,
2: still there. It's done really well, I think. Um it's one we've previously reviewed on the programme, give a seven out of ten. Yeah, not a heart of this one. Story of um well the the real life story of uh, uh, wrestling superstar Paige. Coming from a wrestling family in Norwich. Um, written and directed by Stephen Merchant, who... And I, I think it does feel like a Stephen Merchant production as well. Very funny, lots of... A uh, bit of emotional stuff <laughs> in there. <laughs> okay. And um, Florence Pugh and, and Nick Frost are both really great, in it?
1: At number four, we have What Men Want. Mm. So, we, we were chatting about this um, before we yeah. started the show, and... We, we, did we decide it, it's it's a sequel to what will want the mel gibson I, film
2: or i don't know if it's a sequel um as far as i can t- as far as i know it's a it's a remake of um of what we, we want below uh, obviously a gender reversed one and then sort of slightly uh more up-to-date jokes and um and tone as well I remember the, the, the original seemed quite some sort of it was more on the rom side of of rom-com i yeah. think this one is more the com
1: yeah i mean the in synopsis is a there's a lady that can hear what men are thinking and uh, yes and how that takes her
2: through her career challenges mm. still i think still an advertising uh executive as well that's right so yeah. there's some some hue in that and in that yeah and number three we have
1: fisherman's friends <laughs> <laughs> this isn't um, the throat lozenges
2: no although i would be interested i would maybe i you know what i wouldn't say no to seeing the story of how the the extra strong mint came to be hang on a minute at the
1: start of the show i made an awful joke about flapjack jack and the beanstalk yeah and now you're muting the idea of a film about lozenges why not
2: okay i'm on board i well, mean they made a film about mcdonald's <laughs> who knows so i i haven't seen this film but i you know have um plenty of family members who did the phrase that my dad said to me when he got back was um uh what was it future classic (laughs) so i mean i i wasn't sold on the idea based on the trailer but who knows apparently you know the film itself uh, a good crowd pleaser
1: yeah it's doing well there at number three yeah Um, but number two we have us yeah which we will be reviewing very
2: shortly worth noting that's first week of release that's a really good showing for a, a horror film yeah, I think in, in, at, at any point of the year, and at number one
1: holding it off the top spot is Captain Marvel.
2: Yep, uh, <laughs> still still doing very well. Um, also previously reviewed on the program. Also gave a seven out of ten. But Yeah, just really enjoyed it. So, yeah, a lot of good fun. It's it's what Marvel do best. It's more, it's more of that thing. One thing I I didn't bring up in in my review because I'm a man is is how important it is that we we finally have a Marvel movie with a uh, a female lead. Um, and the, well, the reason I'm bringing this up is I, I saw a uh, a video review this week um, of the film that not only stated that um, uh, it, it it doesn't matter apparently because um, Captain Marvel is essentially a Disney movie and Disney's a huge conglomerate company that only wants your money. Uh, but the, the review also dismissed the idea that this representation matters at all. Uh, And apparently the thought of people raising money so that young girls from underprivileged backgrounds can see the film for free is uh, laughable, supposedly. Um, I just want to say that's wrong. You don't have have to look far to find testimonials and reviews from from young girls and their parents that prove that this stuff does matter, and it is inspiring for them to see it. And I'd argue that the fact that it's a product of a massive company makes it more notable, because these are the movies that everyone is watching, like it or not, and them taking steps to be more inclusive um somewhat belatedly admittedly but it's that's a that's a good thing regardless of whether it's motivated by money-making reasons or not
1: i'm not going to delve too far into that but would the person who wrote that review that you said about would they have been
2: male it was a video review by two people who were both
1: male <laughs> okay saying them all yeah <laughs> let's look at the top five uk film rentals and at number five a star is born
2: Another one we've been doing on the program this got an eight out of ten was on the top 10 of 2018 as well just say the same thing again really really good fantastic cast great songs um and a really good directorial debut from bradley cooper as well
1: and number four what with us being in spring let's have a film about christmas hey. the,
2: the grinch <laughs> got to love these uh staggered dvd release dates <laughs> um so, i mean you know for a christmas film coming out in march on dvd still doing surprisingly yeah. well <laughs>
1: I don't think the the audience who, who are up for that, which I would guess are predominantly children, I don't think they particularly care.
2: Well, yeah, this is the thing, because it's not... Um, I was going to say it's not about Christmas, but uh, it, it is <laughs> in a way. But that's probably... The Christmas message isn't what brings people back to a f- film like The Grinch, so after the, uh, you know, the, the, the slapstick and the, the funny voices. And
1: talking of slapstick and funny voices,
2: <laughs> and number three,
1: we have Robin Hood.
2: Oh, which is just... Um, I think did we give us give it us the lowest score of any film that we it was three out of ten. Yes. I, I don't think we gave anything a two. Um, it's just rubbish. The, the the worst excuse for trying to start a new franchise I've seen in a long, long time it just feels really, really sad and try hard, I think. weightless. Wait, <laughs> and so some really bad acting as well in that. I remember some some particular line deliveries from Taron Edgerton and that I particularly uh, wooden. <laughs> which is a shame, because he's good at other things. But, yeah, skip it. Uh, and number two, a film
1: that I think is only in the charts for quite a while, mm. uh, Bohemian Rhapsody.
2: You know what? I'm going to say something positive this time. Good. It's better than Robin Hood. And I'll leave it at that.
1: I'm <laughs> number one, yeah. which is Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Not yeah. as good as Fantastic Beasts. Which is about some, some meals with lots of good... Uh,
1: two years ago Jordan Peele redefined the horror genre with uh, Get Out and up next we're going to discuss his new nightmare Us you're listening to the Sunshine Cinema Show with Nick and Marcus and now it's time for our review of Us rated 15 accompanied by her husband son and daughter Adelaide Wilson returns to the beachfront home where she grew up as a child. Haunted by a traumatic experience from the past, Adelaide grows increasingly concerned that something bad is going to happen. Her worst fears soon become a reality when four masked strangers descend upon the house, forcing the Wilsons into a fight for survival. When the masks come off, the family is horrified to learn that each attacker takes the appearance of one of them.
0: Okay, let's call the cops. I did. They're 14 minutes away. What? 14 minutes? Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay. Jason, give me the bat. What bat? The baseball bat, the bat. There's one in the court. Here, here. Thank you. Okay. All right. Hold on. I got this. Let's try this again. No, okay. no, 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 no. No. All right. I got this, I got this. Now, I thought I already done told y'all to get off my property, okay? So if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Now, the cops are already on their way. Hey, 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 hey! Hey!
1: Us was written and directed by Jordan Peele, who won an Oscar last year for Get Out and was Oscar-nominated this year as a producer of Black Klansman. Oh, yeah. Uh, It stars uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who actually also won uh, an Oscar in 2014 for her role in 12 Years a Slave. Mm. Uh, She starred in Black Panther as Nakia and also in Star Wars, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi as the character I like to call the orange-headed Yoda. (laughs) And um, also in the film, Winston Duke, who you may uh, recognise from uh, Black Panther, as Mbaku. Mm-hmm. Now, Us has been a huge box office success uh, in America. Um, in its first open, in the opening weekend, uh, it made seventy-one million dollars isn't bad on return for the budget of £20 million.
2: Yeah, and it is especially good these days for a film that isn't based on any uh, pre-existing uh, book or, or comic or, or franchise. Absolutely. Now, Nick, I've got to ask you
1: this, because it's caused a bit of discussion already. Is this a horror film?
2: Yes. And I, I think Jordan Peele has been sort of very quick to make that point as well, because I don't know if you remember, when the uh, the Golden Globes... Uh, happened a little, uh, couple of years ago but for some reason they uh, segregate their films into drama and uh, comedy slash musical so when a film like Get Out uh, comes out and is amazing and doesn't fit into either one of those categories things get a, a little bit complicated so in the end it was nominated for uh, best comedy or musical <laughs> despite being neither and then Jordan Peele sort of joked that actually it should be under an, an best documentary <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Us is a horror film um, and so is Get Out i've i've been seeing some people using the phrase elevated horror to describe these these films which seems a bit redundant to me it's a bit like um when silence of the lambs came out and uh, the suddenly the word uh, psychological psychological thriller was was being used A, a good horror movie is a good horror movie you don't have to give them a different label to get people to take them seriously and you know if some people want to want to dismiss an entire genre of cinema then then let them let them be wrong uh, that said it's also pretty funny <laughs> in, in places uh, I think Mark, Mark Kermode has talked about this in the, in the past comedy and horror filmmaking are more closely linked than you might think which is why there are filmmakers who are not only good at both, but also good at combining them in in interesting ways. So people like Wes Craven, uh, Sam Raimi, and uh, George Romero. I think George Romero's zombie movies are a big influence on us, in particular, because they both feature characters that are uh, only half living, but still have shadows of their uh, former personality, and that's why that's why the zombies gravitate towards the mole in Dawn of the Dead, are just sort of doing what they did in their in their past life. And uh, one of my favourite moments in in this film features the doppelganger of one character who w- we know was very proud of his boat, just, <laughs> and so in a scene he's just standing on it with his, his hands on his hips, looking very proud of himself. It's like a, a classic dad pose, and and it's a very funny moment that comes in the middle of a, a very intense scene, and for, for me it, it totally works. And I think just two movies into his career, Jordan Peel has proven himself worthy of having his name added to the, the list I just mentioned. But that doesn't detract from how gosh dang creepy the film is. And much like Get Out, it doesn't rely on making you scared by making you jump. I mean, there, there are jump scares in it, but they're always uh, play for laughs. It's completely benign stuff, which I, I found interesting. The, the real scary stuff is delivered through this steady flow of... Creeping dread, or um, sometimes without any emphasis at all. um The the moment in this film which horrified me the most happens almost almost silently, completely calmly, while "Good Vibrations" by the Beach Boys is <laughs> is playing. And on that note, there are, there are several songs used in this that I'm never going to hear in the same way again. Not least of which is "I Got Five On It." um We, we were talking about this earlier. There's there's always been something strange and sinister. About that song's riff, and I'm, I'm glad that Jordan Peele and uh, composer Michael Abels have tapped into that strangeness and sort of amplified it through uh, for this for this film. The, the whole film is a, a masterclass in setting the right tone for the story and then maintaining it all the way through. Uh, this is something that's bolstered by a great cast, all of whom have to be great in two distinctly different roles as well, which is doubly impressive. Uh, I've I've been spellbound by uh, Lupita Nyong'o's performance since the poster came out. So I think it's it's no surprise that she's incredible in the in the film proper. The 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 kind of performance that should win awards, but historically speaking probably won't be, because if Tony Colette can't get a nomination for Hereditary then you know, what what is the world coming in? Winston Duke um mentioned was was in Black Panther completely different in this one. Uh I think I think the the sort of clip sort of showed very 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 nicely how subtly funny he can be when he sort of just realises he needs to go a little bit deeper and be on their way. Mm-hmm. And then the, his, his dog gang is absolutely terrifying. So again, two distinct p- performances, both of which are great. Elsewhere in the cast, oh well, yeah, yeah, props to Shahadi, Wright-Joseph and Evan Alex as the kids as well. Really, really good. Elizabeth Moss, who people might recognise from The Hands-Made Tale and uh, Man-Man, clearly enjoying the opportunity to do some extreme acting in certain scenes, not to give anything away. I want to mention uh, Tim Heidecker as well, who, like Jordan Peele, has a background in blurring the line between comedy and horror in in his sketches that he's done, which fits in perfectly with the the film as a whole. So everything, pretty much everything's really great. The only thing that gives me pause in... Well, that, that gives me pause in calling the film great as a whole is and i need to be very careful to be fake it's it relates to the reveal of what the doppelganger's motives are and where they come from because it's a reveal that raises more questions than it answers which i know has been a stumbling block for uh quite a few people i've seen um you're yeah 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 for me this is something that only becomes an issue because the film has some some very weighty themes and topics on its mind and I felt its reach just slightly exceeded its grasp by the end. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a failing of the film, because I've been talking at length about all the films, all the things it does really well and really right. It's just for me, it's just the one thing I was disappointed by when you compare it to, to Get Out, which was flawless in its execution. But, at the end of the day, as I mentioned at the top, it's a horror film. Did it horrify me? Yes. Have I been thinking about it in glowing terms all week? yes and to me that's what's important fair
1: enough i do you know i'm just going to jump in and 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 just say that it's worth seeing yeah and i my opinion on it did vary slightly didn't it, i agree with most of what you're saying about the detail of it um but i have been thinking about the film a lot since watching it mm. and that's and that's a good thing Um, Because there are so many good things in it. It's up to you to make your own opinion on it.
2: Yeah, because I've seen it's split people down the middle. I've seen reviews from people who, um, again, were were hung up on the quote unquote explanation Mm -hmm. by the end. And at the same time, I've seen plenty of just as many reviews from people who um, didn't find that a problem at all. So it's, you know, your your mileage may vary. For me, um, I thought it was was almost great. (laughs) Let's
1: give it a Sunshine Cinema score. Out of 10, then.
2: Yeah, so enough to give it uh, an 8 out of 10 from me.
1: Okay, then. Still to come. Under the chitlidge of Rocky Balboa, heavyweight contender Adonis Creed faces off against Victor Drago, the son of Ivan Drago. Oh, that's right. We're going to be revealing how good Creed 2 is or isn't. But before that, it's the Take Five film
0: quiz. In a corrupt city where everyone is for sale. They're the best money can't buy. Nick and Marcus, exclusively on the Sunshine Cinema Show.
1: Well, it's time to lighten the mood a little bit now with our Take Five Film Quiz. doke so here we go then. This week I have five of the best horror slash thriller movie quotes for you. Okay. <laughs> and you just need to name the film that the quote is from. As always you're up against Nick, uh, but he only scores a point for naming the film and the actor that said the line.
2: I We joked about doing a horror one last time, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I took that on board. Yeah, got it. Okay, so five film quotes. And we will start with a nice easy one. I see dead people. I see dead people. Okay. Film quote number two. What an excellent day for an exorcism. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Bit more tricky. Mm. From quote number three. Do you like scary movies? Like scary movies.
2: Oh, the actor on this me up. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're gonna have to think about that one. Oh, I died. Mm. Mm. I don't know him. Number four. I'm your number one fan. I'm your number one fan. Now this is one that if you don't know it, as soon as I say it, you will throw
2: your head back yeah. and go, oh, of course. I'm kicking myself already. Oh, and you will know it. Because I know that I know that I know it, I just don't know the
1: i <sighs> your number one fan. And finally, number five. Be afraid. Be very afraid.
2: Does anyone is this a, like a line? It is. It is. Because I know it was a, it was a tagline for a, a specific film, but I don't remember it being said in the film itself. And
1: this is in a film. Okay, scary one. A film. Be afraid. Very afraid. What do you reckon? Five films for you there. Five quotes. Have a little think. I'm going we'll do that with the answers very shortly.
0: You're listening to Nick and Marcus on the Sunshine Cinema Show. Please remember, don't get them wet. Keep them out of bright light and never feed them after midnight.
1: Okey-doke. Straight back in. And we're going to give you a little bit longer that's it (laughs) let's see how you're going on five film quotes all from horror slash thriller movies it's going
2: to be a poor showing for me this week really yeah
1: well I'll be honest I I thought it was a trickier one this week so don't feel too bad okay film quote number one
2: I see dead people yep So, this one, I know. <laughs> luckily, <laughs> the film is uh, The Sixth Sense, and the actor was uh, Haley Joel Osment. Correct.
1: Correct. You score one point. Remember, if you're playing along, all you need to do is name the film. You don't need to name the actor. But if you do, or, and you get it right, well done. Mm-hmm. Film quote number two, what an excellent day for an exorcism.
2: See, I, I didn't want to say The Exorcist. But at the same time, if it was, and I sort of just ignored it because it seemed too easy, then... Um, but it doesn't matter anyway because I don't know who, who the actor might have been. <laughs> so uh, so I'm, g- I'm going to say The Exorcist with a question mark on the end. <laughs> the Exorcist? Mm-hmm.
1: The Exorcist is correct. Oh, OK. Linda Blair said the line.
2: Oh. oh OK, while, while sort of...
1: Being demonic.
2: OK. Being possessed. It's very, um, very on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Fun point number three, do you like scary movies? Mm. So this one, I knew the film instantly. Because I believe it's the first line in, in the film in question, which is Scream. Correct. But then I remembered, um, not only is it a character that's played by two people in the film, the there's a, a, a voice changer thing involved, and they use a, a different actor to, to do the voice in the thing and i can't remember the names of well i can't remember the name of that person <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not getting this one unfortunately it, it
1: is really tricky I,
2: I know it's scream yeah but, it, um,
1: is, it is I, I was hoping that this would catch you out and mm. um, the character or the actor sorry that voiced ghost face yeah is roger l jackson okay he purely a voice actor right
2: okay. and what a voice
1: and what a voice as well yes played it perfectly okay film quote number four
2: i'm your number one fan um you're just gonna have to put me out of my misery on this one i it's i i know that i should know it um oh. but everything i thought of um was stuff that wouldn't be classified as as horror wow like um i was you know, thinking back to monsters inc maybe or um iron man 3 definitely it's in it's in
1: <laughs> okay oh you are so gonna Think of comedy on. You just said to me, hmm. you're going to have to put me out of my...
2: Oh, mi- ah, of course. The most obvious one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Misery was what I was looking for. Oh, Kathy Bates. And Kathy Bates was the actor. Okay. Finally, number
2: five. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Um, which I definitely know was the tagline for David Cronenberg's version of The Fly... But I honestly can't remember being said in the film. So maybe it was said in a different film as like a, a tribute to The Fly. I don't know.
1: What are you going with?
2: I'm, I'm not going with anything because I haven't got the actor's name. So.
1: Okay. The film was The Fly. Oh, uh, okay. And it was said by Gina Davis.
2: Really? Yeah. Okay. Who to?
1: Uh, to. Uh, who's your man? The Fly Man. Oh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Okay. He's. Um,
2: is it later on, or? Well,
1: I can. I've seen the. I've seen the clip just to confirm that she
2: oh, says it. Okay.
1: um But yeah.
2: I've to watch it myself. Yeah. Because it seems like an old thing to say in such a gritty. I was going to say realistic movie, but it's it's. it's really, but you, you know what I mean. Like it, it doesn't feel. It's not a film that feels stagey. Yeah. And it's a very stagey saying, which is perfect for a tagline. Um, oh. oh well, so. One out of five. One out of five. If you want to make it harder next week, yeah, documentaries. Oh gosh, <laughs> real, real people saying stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll leave that one. Maybe. Okay, up next, uh, it's the eighth instalment in the Rocky film series. But how many is too many? Find out when we review Creed Two. OK, so here we go with our available to rent review, which is Creed 2 rated 12A. In 1985, Russian boxer Ivan Drago killed former US champion Apollo Creed in a tragic match that stunned the world. Against the wishes of trainer Rocky Balboa, Apollo's son Adonis Johnson accepts a challenge from Drago's son, another dangerous fighter. Under guidance from Rocky, Adonis trains for the showdown of his life, a date with destiny that soon becomes his obsession. Now, Johnson and Balboa must confront their shared legacy as the past comes back to haunt each man. But you don't think I could beat him?
0: Is that what you're trying no. to say? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm not going to be here forever. And what's that supposed to mean? It means you got to do some smart thinking. But oh, you want to talk about smart decisions, Rock? You in this house all alone. Who've been taking care of you? Me. I've been here for you. Who else you got?
1: Listen, I'm taking this fight with or without you. Creed Two was directed by Stephen Campbell, Jr and stars Michael B Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Thompson, Dolph Lundgren uh, makes a a return, Uh, Florian Montenot, uh, Bridget Nielsen also backing it, and Felicia Rashad, who I recognise more from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as the original Arne Viv. That's right, yeah. Now, uh, Nick, let me ask you this, um, like the Rocky sequels, Does this signal another slide into formulaic follow-ups?
2: Potentially, yeah. Um, it, it, it certainly mirrors, you know, that, as you said, that, that shift the original series took. So, Whereas the first film, in, in both cases actually, it was, was about uh, an underdog proving that they had what it takes to make it in the world of boxing. Here, uh, once again, the, the plot revolves around, can he beat up this one dude? Which is a very reductive summary, admittedly, but a, a, also a fair assessment, I think. I... I was surprised how ordinary the film felt. Almost immediately, in a way that I think in the end really, really highlights what Ryan Coogler brought to the um, the first one. There was a visual style in, in Creed that was. Um, uh immediately distinctive but also very hard to verbally <laughs> verbally describe. Uh but it, it felt like the, the camera was as emotionally invested in the characters as the story was. And it also mimicked the change in Adonis's intensity when entering and exiting the ring. I think most people will will um remember the first big match that was shot in one take, uh which was very visually impressive. But the scenes outside the ring I I thought were equally focused and they you know they they just weren't as flashy, which Mirrors the life of a, a famous boxer. I, I presume. <laughs> I don't know from experience, sadly. With um, Creed 2, I think there's an effort to recapture the same style, but I I just didn't feel the same engagement this time around. And the same goes for the, the story as well. It still feels very grounded in reality, like the, the first one did. And the, the characters still feel very human, but it, it feels less interested in how they fit into the larger world. Because... I thought that the first film doubled as a, a great portrait of the of the city of Philadelphia. It was almost um you know almost a good tourist side. It sort of made me want to visit the city itself. Uh, and it, it felt like you got to know about the culture that surrounds it. And f- for me, two of the best moments in the film had nothing to do with boxing at all. It was about uh, Adonis interacting with the the kids on dirt bikes. And you know by comparison here, everything seems to take place in a, a hotel room or an apartment and it, it doesn't feel like the sort of part of a a bigger city at all. The plot is almost identical to Rocky 3, um unfortunately but you know with, with the revenge angle from from four, so it's pretty easy to predict what happens. I, I, went, I went into this pretty confident I was going to see uh, two big boxing scenes uh, and a training montage in the middle was was not proven wrong in, in that respect. I mean they the good boxing scenes and a good training montage, but there's no there's no surprises to be had. Speaking of which, the returning cast are all, you know, very good. I thought in their respective roles. Michael B. Jordan continues to be one of the best young stars around, given a, a little bit more to do in this one. Actually, uh, there's, there's a couple of scenes where his character is just utterly broken by uh, events, and it was that that was difficult to watch, in in, in a good way. Um it's, mm-hmm. it's a very good performance. Sylvester Stallone, uh, Oscar nominated for the uh, the previous film, uh, I think knows what he's doing. At this one Guzan does it does it very well, Tessa Thompson again back again still good, Dolph Lundgren I I don't know how you if you agree with us I would have liked to see to have seen more of him underused yeah, yeah I think fun. I mean I think he's in the film he's in the film enough but he doesn't make much of a big impression besides being the villain again which is a, a shame because I think he's he's a more uh, subtle performer that people giving credit for. I think, and, and it would have been nice to see him, yeah, you know, as you say, used more in the, in the film. Florian Montano or Big Nasty, oh, he's big. To, to use his given name, I mean, yeah, per- perfectly fine in the film, even though he's clearly way, way too big and, and taught to be in the same weight class as Michael B. Jordan. But then they have a scene with a weigh-in, so they, they sort of you know, excuse it away, <laughs> even though visually there's a you know, there's a massive <laughs> difference between them, um, but seeing his name in the credits just made me wonder what the film would have been like if big nasty was in it instead
1: oh uh, that i would yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) very different
2: um that's all i have to say by the way
1: (laughs) (laughs) well uh, all i would add to that is if you like the rocky films i don't think you'd be particularly disappointed it's done very well it had a budget of about 50 million dollars and in america it's already made 200 and 14 odd million mm-hmm. so it, it's done well it seems to have ticked the boxes for a lot of people
2: yeah it, yeah. it, it does okay for yeah. my money I think I, I'm just in comparison to the the previous Creed film which I, I really really did like love in, in fact you know it's just not as good unfortunately okay let's give it a Sunshine cinema show rating out of 10 um so it's a mixture of Rocky 3 and Rocky 4 as I said what's 3 plus 4? 7 7 out of 10 okay no end of 7 out of 10 I mean it's It's still a cut above most sports movies. As I said, it's just not as good as the first one. Thank you very much, Nick. Well, that's it for the Sunshine Cinema Show today. Thank you ever
1: so much uh, for joining us. And uh, we'll be back same time, same place next time.
0: If you missed anything in today's episode, you can hear the edited podcast online. Just search for the Sunshine Cinema Show podcast. This is a Sunshine Hospital Radio production. Get well soon.